I can remember him having a weapon and often playing a game of Russian roulette uh, in front of me and things like that as a kid. Mental health and addiction are largely misunderstood. We often struggle in silence, but there is hope for a better life. I'm Trevor Steinhauser, and this is Stigmatized. Today, Gil Marksberry is joining me to talk about his uh, life and his uh, career in law enforcement, what got him into that. And uh, first of all, just thanks for thanks for being here. Appreciate I appreciate it. the offer. Appreciate the offer. So you are a sergeant with the Dayton Police Department, Dayton, Kentucky. Correct. And a canine handler, canine handler. Correct. which I'm looking forward to, to talking about all that stuff. You are also a Marine. Yes. Thank you for your service. Appreciate it. Um, and you worked uh, at the Alcohol Beverage Control. Correct. A I, ABC. I began my career, actually, at Campbell County Police Department okay. uh, in April 1st, 1996. Okay. So I was there for 12 years and uh, went through a, a divorce, and ABC had a... Uh, uh, a nice flexible schedule that could still keep um, my law enforcement credentials. And so I was able to, uh, you know, have equal custody uh, of my three girls. And so went that route for a while. And then as the girls aged and, uh, you know, one of them was old enough to move out and uh, the other ones were getting into their teenage years, um, a uh, lieutenant uh, at Dayton offered me, uh, an opportunity if I was interested in coming back to uh, uniform patrol, uh, offered me an opportunity to come down and interview uh, with them, and which I did, and ended up uh, getting uh, fortunate enough to get hired, and have uh, remained there ever since. Yeah, cool. Uh, so we'll we'll dig into your your career, uh, but I want to talk about you've you've faced some. A lot of struggle in your life, a lot of uh, unfortunate um, circumstances, and I want to I want to go through that and and just start in your childhood and talk about how how life was and and how all these things came to be and what the effect they had on you. Well, I guess the initial uh, the first initial uh, introductory, uh, I guess, uh, of a death in the family. Uh, began in 1972, which probably most of you all <laughs> wasn't born back then. But uh, anyhow, um, my one of my uncles uh, was a uh, seven sons uh, motorcycle. Uh, I hate the term club member. Uh, I know some may get a little irritated at it, but um, you know I've been around long enough and seen enough you know some of them may be club members others are gang members uh no matter how you want to uh, look Slice at it. it right so um my uncle kenny though was a seven sons uh member and he ended up uh being shot or uh the death certificate shows that uh, he shot himself uh, back in 1972 so there's some so is there really never been closure on what happened well, the, the medical examiner says that it was a uh, suicide, 
but family members and things like that that know that he was uh, leaving the uh, uh, seven sons and some other personal, I guess, issues within his life. Uh, his wife at the time was, uh, I think, having some type of relationship with another um, member. And so there were some uh, issues there uh, that have, you know, cropped up. I personally don't know enough because I've never gotten a copy of the uh, actual police report to know what it says. But I do know that the medical examiner ruled it as a suicide. How old were you when that happened? Uh, four. I was born in 68, so okay. I was four years old at the time. Okay. So still too early to really know, you know what, what what's what. But Yeah, me and my cousin, they talked about me and my cousin. were running around in the funeral home just uh, right. having a good old jolly time. Not, right. I can vaguely remember him being in his, um, in his vest or his colors, if you right. will, um, and things like that. Uh, outside of that, I really don't remember much even about my uncle. Uh, because of the you know time frame and sure. things like that, but over the years, his younger brother um, idolized him and kind of uh, I guess uh, got into a path of life where he was uh, in, you know with destructive behaviors and things like that. He never joined um, any motors you know motorcycle gangs or anything like that, uh, but his behaviors. And things that he did do indicated that um, he was suffering. I know he uh, held off the Newport Police Department in a standoff with a weapon uh, back in the 70s. Um, he had a couple bouts of those. And then I think the first time he shot himself, because he survived the first one, uh, the first time he shot himself I think was in – 80, I want to think it was 84. Um, he had shot himself uh, and he survived. Uh, was in the hospital for, I think, about four or five months, uh, somewhere in there. But he lost his sense of taste, sense of smell, and sense of hearing out of one ear. And so for him, he played around with it a lot, doing goofy, uh, goofy things since he couldn't taste anything or smell anything. But again, he was still... Uh, you know, having destructive behavior. So, so he came out of that experience unchanged as uh, far as correct what he was, the way he was living his life and things like that? Correct. Okay. Uh, he pretty much stayed involved in, um, in the same activity. And I'm thinking uh, sometimes it gets a little jumbled here in 80, was it 87? I think it was 87. Um a second uh, time of being uh, shot, uh, which he succumbed to ultimately. Um, he had gone down to, uh, this is where it's going to get a little uh, chaotic and probably hard to follow. He was actually going down to another residence in Newport uh, to pick up money owed uh, from my grandmother who was trafficking in marijuana. And so he went there to pick up money owed and somehow nobody in the residence um, uh, spoke English after it was all said and done when they, uh, you know, came and, uh, you know, interviewed or tried to interview everybody, things of that nature. But his death was also ruled a suicide uh, really? based on the past history and 
he had done some some silly things even after um I can remember him, you know, having a weapon and often playing a game of Russian roulette uh, in front of uh, me and things like that as a kid. Um, so it's not far-fetched to think that he would have still been maybe high or something to that effect uh, and ultimately shot himself a second time. How old were you the first time that happened? Uh 16, uh, 16. What kind of effect did that have on you? I mean, is there a, is there a history of mental illness in the, in the family on the, well, it's never side? been diagnosed, but as I've aged and, you know, sat back and analyzed things, uh, about my family, um, I think that there, there is starting with, uh, maybe even my great, great grandmother, who was my grandmother's, uh, mom on that side of the family, um, I yeah. got to hear stories during, um, you know, during the war that um, while he was overseas, she had to survive and uh, ran a brothel. And when he came back, um, she made it clear, you know, you you do your thing, I'll do my thing. They stayed married though, um, even after she had shot him, he survived the shooting, um, and and things like that. I guess they had gotten into some type of. Uh, domestic or whatever and you know he stayed the whole time they never did divorce or anything like that so again we get a little jumbled sure. with uh, the, the family tree uh, right. issue and uh, the way things pan out it would almost take me uh, probably trying to write everything down year by year to uh, do a you know categorization of everything so right. so how much time in between the first and second um, and I could be off on my time frames. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm interested in your age and, and the effect yeah, that it's having uh, as you're growing up one. I was younger. Uh, I was still a teenager uh, at that time. And ironically enough, still fairly close, uh, to my family in a way, um, that like me and this particular uncle, um, and my grandfather when he was alive, and my other uncle, uh, we all, and my cousin, we all went out to uh, Colorado to deer hunt and things like that. So we spent uh, a lot of time and is probably from the ages of, say, 11 to about 16, uh, I spent a lot of time going to my grandfather's on the weekend. My uncle was always there. So we always had, you know, communication and things like that and, and saw each other off and off. Uh, so it was a, it was is a pretty good uh, impact because you're just like stunned. You were stunned on the first one uh, as far as that goes. But on the second one where he died, I was already an adult uh, and in the Marine Corps at that time and then got sent home for, for that funeral. Uh, so uh, by then it was a little bit different. Um, you know, you start getting maybe a little angry because uh, off the first one, you're just devastated by like, why would he shoot himself? And all these unanswered questions that even he probably couldn't answer or would never answer anyway. And you wasn't going to ask him. So right. it's just not what you did growing up, uh, I oh, guess, sure. in my generation. Yeah. The, the, the ability to communicate uh, from a younger generation now compared to when I was growing up is there's a world of difference. Some things you just kept your mouth shut and you moved on. Right. So... So, uh, 
was there okay so you're in the marine corps how was that experience for you uh i think it saved my life to be quite honest okay um ultimately and it probably has a little bit or maybe has a major uh impact on um i guess how i either see things or uh, the lens that i see life through uh, also developing confidence um i don't know had i not had some things or events take place in my life um i don't know where i would be uh, at at a young age i knew i wanted to do two things in my life i wanted to be a, a marine and i wanted to be a, a police officer but when you start becoming a teenager and you also don't have uh, guidance, uh, if you will, and I mean like really normal uh, parental guidance and things like that, I had a few people in my life that I think were able to uh, impact me enough uh, along with the Marine Corps uh, to lead me down a completely different path uh, than you know one where I might be who knows, I could have been behind bars at this point, or I might even uh, not be alive. I, there's no way to really gauge it. Uh, so, so was there parental guidance? Was you lacking that yes. as, a, as a kid? Yes. Okay. Um, I know my mom and my family members are going to hate to uh, you know, hear the um, uh, things of my life kind of come out, but because um, there's usually just a lot of uh, self-denial, if you will. Um, but I know what it is. I lived it. Um, you know, my brothers, my sister, uh, we lived it. We know what we, uh, we had. So, you know, as far as the, 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 uh, armed forces goes, you know, and a lot of people could say a lot of things, but I know had I done it, had I gone and served, my life would have (laughs) turned out a heck of a lot different as far as, discipline, learn what it is to be a man. And I think that, you know, I think every boy should have to serve in the military for a I, couple of years. I do at, too. At least, at least go through basic training or, or a, a, a year or two. I just think there's, there's so many things, so many roads it could be avoided that when you're 18, you went and did that for a while, you, you could really... Uh, avoid some, you know, the free for all lifestyle. And, and if you are lacking in, uh, uh, parental guidance or, uh, you know, parents working and you don't have anything to do and you can just do whatever the hell you want. I mean, that, that would alleviate a lot of things. I know Monday morning quarterback, but I know it would have, it would have helped me for sure. And even from a confidence level, um, I don't think people really appreciate the fact that uh, of what it takes to take a um, a young person and tell them that they are going to win at all costs while hearing gunfire, uh, seeing people you know get shot around them. Uh, you know, I give an example of just you know you're going to take that hill and you're going to be successful at it. Um, you know, even though there's bullets coming your way, you're going to actually still run towards those bullets and you're going to take that hill and we're going to take more ground. And then ultimately we're going to defeat the, you know, uh, the enemy. 
It takes a lot of confidence to tell any human being that a bullet going around you, that you're still going to survive and, and win. And we get people to actually go towards gunfire, you know, and, um, and things of that nature. You have to have some sort of, it, it can't be complete stupidity. Uh, so there has to be, you know, some uh, confidence that you're going to be successful and you're going to win because it's not normal to, for any human being to run towards uh, gunfire or anything else. Now, so, a lot of people that go through the military end up having emotional problems, but whether from what they've seen or being in combat or just that, that instant hardening of a soldier of, you know, not only are you teaching someone to be confident and invincible, but like you said, it's not normal. I mean, it's, Correct. it is a radical, you're radicalizing, you know, somebody's mind in a sense. What is your thought on that? And did you experience anything like that, especially with, with some of the things that you had already I was witnessed? not in a time frame where we were in combat. Okay. So uh, I got out. Uh, directly before the uh, first Gulf. And so I never saw any combat. So I, I have no idea. Uh, I can imagine based on my 23 years um, in law enforcement of what they uh, have gone through to some level. I've been very fortunate. I've never had to take a life. So I have no idea uh, what impact that has on another human being other than it has to be negative because it's not normal behavior. I do think that um, we should offer uh, anybody coming back from combat zone, I think that they need to be, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, debriefed. And we need to start figuring out and learning uh, from a mental standpoint who's at risk and who's not at risk uh, for any type of destructive behavior, whether it be towards themselves or towards others, um, we have to start really considering the fact that, you know, uh, times have changed and people view war and killing differently than, say, our grandfathers when they went off to War II, uh, World War One, things of that nature. It was a different era, different time frame. And we, all we did for any of those uh, individuals was tell them you did your duty. It's what you're supposed to do. Suck it up and move on. And, you know, many of them did quietly. Now, I don't know any statistical data on, um, you know, what if you placed them all in a, um, you know, percentage wise, any of them, you know, whether it be they were destructive towards themselves or towards others. Uh, but you can see it now. And the way some are coming back, um, you know, it, they're openly talking about it. We've improved in that area, sure. uh, of course. And so I think we need to do more. You know, we spend a, a lot, a lot of money in this country on everything except for uh, our military's well-being uh, from a mental standpoint. Uh, and really kind of across the country, I, I don't know that we really know enough yet. Right. Um, I, I think we, the, the human mind is probably one of the last, uh, things to try and untap and learn uh, about, which is um, just ass backwards, but exactly, but it's, it's, it is what it is. I mean, that's how it's been treated, but as long as we're have their back and, and make sure that 
the, the resources are there. I did interview a psychologist that works at the VA uh, or in Cincinnati. I'm very pleased to hear all the good things that they're programs and, and things that they're doing. So I agree with you. I think it's going in the right direction. We it just, just needs to be mandatory um, that everybody coming back, they should be debriefed and maybe even, you know, some follow-ups and take it seriously uh, so that we don't have uh, these guys, you know, you know, losing it, as they'd say, and going and doing mass shootings or, you know, things like that or, or fighting with officers and uh, shooting at officers, you know, we've seen uh, some of those even out west where uh, that you know that happens, and so I think everybody coming back, uh, you know, needs to be, uh, I guess, debriefed. If well. not, if not, everybody, because I was talking just very recently, um, I spoke with someone who never saw combat, never deployed, but had to be discharged for a medical reason. Yes. And so the sense of guilt and the sense of I, I didn't complete my mission. Correct. I, I'm not there. For, you know, the goal is to deploy. Right. You know, but, and so not being able to do that. So there's other ways that the mind can go uh, in a bad direction when uh, when it comes to the military or, or really anything else. But, but that's uh, – Because you're viewed as a um... – uh, you're weak if you, you know, either didn't deploy or you're not as uh, tough as somebody else that, you know, that didn't deploy. And I would beg to differ on that anyway. Right. Um, but staying know, quiet, like you said, the grandfathers and great grandfathers, you know, my dad went to Vietnam. He was a medic. And looking back, he's since passed away, but looking back, I think it affected him. I don't know if he sought help when he got back, you know, from the war, uh, but just not, uh, just kept everything in, you know, was, you know, just old school. And that's not, you know, that's not macho in my opinion. You know? Right. I mean, but not having the opportunity to, uh, or, you know, you know, the opportunity to be brought in and, and debriefed, like you say, and, and the opportunity to see somebody and, and have follow-ups and know that it's okay to talk about your stuff and talk about your feelings and what's going on in your life. I mean, that's where I think we've made vast improvements, but we're far from... Far exactly. F- yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So well, let's continue. You're, you're in the military... Uh, Let's just continue down that road. I gotcha. Um, I wind up uh, getting out uh, in 1990 to pursue uh, my career in law enforcement. I'd been married a year uh, by then. And so I began my pursuit of uh, trying to get hired on at uh, Campbell County Police Department. And so it took a little while because they only hire uh, back then. They were only hiring about one every two years. So and the list is only good for, um, yeah, people did just didn't really uh, leave there to go elsewhere. You know, there was not a high turnover uh, ratio and and things like that. And I always knew that besides my dream job of L.A., um, I couldn't convince um, the wife at the time uh, to move out to, to California. Uh, so coming back, I knew I wanted to stay within Campbell County. It's where I was, uh, you know, born and raised as far as within the County, mostly grew up in Newport, uh, Southgate and then Fort Thomas. But, 
ultimately this is the county that you know I was raised in. So, yeah. no, I wanted to come back. Um, and then by then, uh, let's see, Uncle Kenny had already died. So then uh, my sister, um, at the age of uh, 20, 22, I think it was, um, within eight years, uh, she had not only gone through a divorce, uh, gave up, uh, custody of her child, uh, to, uh, my brother-in-law, um, and, or the father. And, um, I'm not sure whether or not I should be naming names or not. I feel like I'm supposed to just talk so, uh, openly, but I'm also trying to be no, aware sure. of people's no. privacy a no, little absolutely, bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but she knew the direction that she was going in, which was very destructive. Uh, I idolized my sister, uh, and she did, uh, everything, uh, for, uh, me and my, uh, two younger brothers, ultimately, uh, very protective over us and things like that. But there, something clicked by the time she was 22 that led her down a path of, uh, drinking, um, and then, uh, some depression, I think took place. Uh, the divorce hit, um, and then she ended up getting with um, uh, a guy that was uh, very controlling and very destructive as well uh, in his own life. So she started using uh, controlled substances. Um, my understanding is she went on to, um, I guess, dance in some clubs down in Florida um, and you know, maybe even some prostitution, uh, which... I, my sister was like the smartest out of the, you know, four of us. Um, and so I would have never envisioned, uh, anything going in that direction, but you know, that's the feedback, you know, you got back then, uh, with as best as you could. It's not like today where you have constant contact. So things get kind of filtered, uh, here and there, but, uh, ultimately when she, uh, came back up this way, um, she ended up succumbing, uh, from, an overdose and, uh, alcohol, uh, to where her liver shut down and, uh, ended up, that ended up killing her ultimately. Uh, at 22? No, she, uh, she died at 30. Oh, okay. So, uh, um, it started at 22. It's okay. th- so in eight years, yeah. she went from basically really not drinking, not doing anything, um, to going from alcohol to, uh, some, uh, pretty hardcore substance abuse, uh, and it just that you know took her took her fast. So yeah. um, eight years seems like a long time, but in the grand scheme of things, no. it's it's not. So it's not. Huh. Uh, so her and uh, my uncle Dicky was twenty six uh, in seventy two when he uh, he died. My uncle Kenny was thirty uh, when he died. So we're at my sister at thirty uh, when she died. Um, and then from there, um, uh, my, we get to my brother, Ray. Well, we got some in between there. My grandmother ended up getting caught, um, uh, back in, I think it was 90, back in 1990 With as well. the trafficking? With the trafficking. And, uh, she ended up doing, uh, federal time, but because of her age, she was in her sixties, uh, because of her age, she ended up being at a federal facility down in Lexington. So we would trip down there with my, my grandfather never divorced her. He was never involved. Uh, he, he knew, uh, there's no doubt that he knew, but he, even through going through prison, he didn't divorce her and would make trips down there. Um, and again, it's something from that era. 
um, I guess as well. Uh, and so when she, uh, when she got out, um, it, it, see, she got out in, she got off probation and everything, I think by 95, um, and stuff. So, and that was the same year that she started to get back into it. And I had already began my career in law enforcement. Um, so she began to get back into that lifestyle and I'd gotten wind of it because I was working, uh, narcotics by then. So I was trying to put a case against my grandmother, but got shut down because obviously, uh, they wouldn't want, it would never fly through a courtroom anyway with Conflict another family. And, okay. Yeah. Even though I was trying to do the right thing, yeah. it was very uh, disappointed, uh, and frustrated at her. Um, I, I think her lifestyle is ultimately what got my grandfather killed, uh, which is still an unsolved murder, although they do believe that they know who the suspects are. It's just a matter of proving it. But um, and, and it was caught up in that lifestyle. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yes. And, um, and again, I'm not sure how far to get carried away in some of this. So some of it might get jumbled and lost, no. uh, but ultimately it's still the – the family history right. of, you know, um, couple uncles, uh, and this is just on my mom's side, but a couple uncles, a grandfather killed, a grandmother, you know, charged with trafficking and doing federal time. Uh, so by then we uh, get up to uh, 1999, and um, my youngest brother uh, ended up shooting himself. Uh, never saw that one coming. Uh, we, you know, uh, we were pretty close. He had actually called me that night begging me to come over and, but I knew he was intoxicated and it was probably around midnight anyway. And I'm like, nah, you're already drunk. You know, I don't want to you know, kind of deal with you type of thing. So I kind of fluffed it off. And then, uh, less than two hours later, back then we had dial up, um, internet. So I was on the internet back then and a dispatch couldn't get through to me, uh, my dispatch, uh, oh, cause the and the officers, busy. cause I, yeah. yeah, the line was busy, right. but we yeah. had pagers, uh, yeah. still then. So they paged me to, to call them. And then that's when, uh, two fellow officers, uh, gave me the information, uh, that my brother had shot himself over in Boone County. Um, and so I went, first went to the scene, uh, thinking that he might still be there. Um, and then of course, you know, the officers on scene, uh, kind of want to get a breakdown anyway of anything that I might know that might be suspicious because my nephew and, uh, my brother's wife were inside the residence at the time. Uh, so they didn't think anything uh, right away suspicious, but again, you can't rule it out when you're still going through it. So, uh, I kind of gave how I felt and what I thought about with things, um, and that, you know, the wife didn't have the capability uh, to, to do such a thing. I, I never believe that um, from the get-go. So based on, you know, my knowledge with her. Uh, so how how old what, how old was he when that happened? Uh, Ray was 26. And how old were you? Uh, 30, 31, I think. Um, and really no signs of any duress or anything in his life that it, because it's so it happens so often that people say i never yeah i would I have never clue. suspected um him uh, shooting himself 
ironically, he shot himself uh, with a weapon that I'd bought him because uh, we were getting into hunting. We we all played. I played drums. He played guitar, and my other brother Richard, uh, you know, sang and did different things. And we had like this little uh, mini band thing going and stuff like that that we would jam out to. So all those experiences and stuff, I never, I never saw him as a confident man. But I never saw him as a suicidal man, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I, I look back on it, and I'm thinking, was it his lack of confidence? Or, you know, what was it? Um, and still to this, I mean, he didn't leave a note. There was nothing. Him and his wife had been in uh, a disagreement that night. Um, but again, I would, knowing what I know of my sister-in-law, uh, I know that she couldn't. Right. She couldn't do it. And um, and stuff and and based on the uh, the investigation anyway and the trajectories and things like that it it didn't pan out that it was anything more than uh, he shot himself and uh, so um, yeah that was in ninety ninety nine and so, so that threw me for that yeah. was a tough one for right. me uh, by then it was one thing to lose my sister um, but again when you're younger you're not you don't. I don't know. I, I think you don't think as much uh, and, and you don't get as deep into thought. Some of us don't, or at least I didn't. Um, it was just a loss and you're like devastated by the loss. But with Ray and calling me that night um, and just out of the blue, um, you know, and then you have this thing of, um, you know, I got him that you know, shotgun is a Christmas present and Harry, you know, what in the world? And so you just, you never, uh, think, uh, that it's, you know, going to happen, but ultimately it did. Um, and so that really created a lot of dissension, uh, within the family as well. Um, including between like me and my mother, uh, that was kind of another start of a round of, of things to come. Um, you know, it was kind of devastating to hear that, you know, uh, she was going even through the funeral home of, you know, I told him he should have never bought him that weapon and this and that. And She was saying that to you? No, to others, but oh. at the at the funeral. And I thought to myself, wow. is my mother blame him? Blame? And I know my mother, I, I know she struggles. Um, I think some things have been passed down through the generations you know, like we talked about with, you know, potential mental illness and things like that. Um, I think some things have passed. She don't ever really always looking to blame others for things. And there's, except for the person that does it <laughs> uh, type of thing, or the impact that she may or may not have had uh, on our lives growing up as, um, you know, as kids and, and things like that. Uh, Cause there was some abuse uh, within the home and, and things of that nature. So um, we get through that part of it. Yeah. So where, I mean, where, where are you mentally at this point? I mean, are you, you know, you talked earlier about being angry. I mean, it seems like, you know, now things I, are I starting still, to snowball. I know, still and, suffer through the anger even to this day. I get mad and then I get sad because, you know, I'm, I'm 52 and I have no siblings. Um, I have two that are that on my father's side. Uh, but I never grew up with them. So it's a little bit, um, there's always been distance there and it's just not the same, uh, w when you're in a household with people right. that you, you know, literally, uh, you grow up with. And so, uh, there was a lot of 
anger, a lot of pain, um, you know, associated with uh, him doing that, uh, frustration, not having no answers to anything, right. left wondering why. Um, now we've got, you know, his one and only child that he left behind, you know, and I'm thinking this is my second sibling that has done this to their lives, ultimately destroyed their lives, uh, even if my sister's was not a direct, um, you know, suicide with a weapon or anything, right. um, you know, people's behavior still are the, it's still the same ultimately and they're, you know, they still die either way. Um, and so I'm looking at this as my, you know, nephew, um, you know, I've already got a niece, uh, you know, that has been left without one parent. Now I got a nephew and he was in the house. You know, and how how is this going to correlate later on in life? Because you just don't know the direction that, you know, human beings are going to go in as they go through life with or without parents or anything else. And um, and so a uh, lot of, you know, a lot of frustration and anger. And then, uh, you know, again, you know, family wanting to blame others for somebody that, you know, takes their own life. I believe ultimately you got to have some personal responsibility for things you do in life, regardless of what has happened uh, in your life. It's, you're still making cho the choices of things. And no matter what you do, it, any type of destructive behavior or positive behavior, we're all good to, you know, uh, say, hey, look, they're they're doing great in life, and uh, you know the the responsibility they accept um, for doing great, is, you know, and they're all proud and all this. But when it comes time for destructive behavior, well, we always want to look for things to uh, blame or others to blame instead of holding you know ourselves accountable for our destructive. Hopefully, that's kind of making sense here. I know again, getting jumbled around. No, no, I don't have good. like this perfect sure uh, question no, and answer type of yeah, uh, thing going on to where yeah. I can uh, better articulate. But uh, anyhow, uh, you know, we uh, we continue on. Ultimately, uh, I think that uh, kind of helped foster uh, my first divorce. Because uh, by then, uh, I felt like, well, I couldn't save him. Because I always tried to, uh, ever since I've been 18, I guess, I've tried to be an example uh, to my own uh, nucleus of family. Uh, and I've always wanted others to feel uh, good about me and proud of me and, you know, things of this nature. And I think we all do to a certain level, but I think it's, it's really helped uh, mold because before 18, I was doing destructive behaviors and things that I had no business doing. But again, um, that lack of somebody putting their foot in my rear end, um, you know, yeah. was not a big help. And again, when you're young, you still got to be taught things. You can't sure. just, uh, if you let the streets teach you, you're going to be taught a lot of negative positive, you know, whatever brings at any given moment. Uh, and it's just not going to be a steady, steady diet of either probably on anything more, maybe more negative. So, yeah. uh, that's where the Marine Corps Absolutely. came in and Definitely. even my, my first, uh, wife and I hate saying first cause then it sounds so, so bad as well. But, um, you know, she helped, uh, guide me to, uh, kind of straighten my act up. Um, and then ultimately, 
make that decision to to go into Marine Corps because you know when you're young and and you're in love, um, you're gonna go with whatever you know that girlfriend yeah. or boyfriend wants uh, at the time frame. So I'm like, oh okay, I can do this, and uh, straightened up and ultimately you know signed up and and went on right went on. So um, thankfully, yeah. Uh, but after uh, we'd by then we'd been together, I think. Uh, married for about 10 years but together like since we were i was 17 so um by the time ray died i i felt like well this person don't need me um because she was you know successful on her own right um and we weren't uh developing uh the way uh, i guess i thought we were supposed to uh at that time frame so ultimately not too long after uh my brother shot himself I kind of walked in one day and said, "Hey, I think we need to part ways," and and ultimately we did. Um, and then uh, I found, uh, I guess, somebody that I could save, um, uh, which was uh, a lady that had uh, had my oldest child. Um, you know, I thought, "Hey, I'll be able to save this kid," and you know. Uh, clean this woman, you know, up from her destructive behavior, and um, I don't know. I guess feel better about myself. Uh, intentions are good, but uh, outcomes are 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 bad. And again, not thinking uh, very clearly, knowing that you know uh, it wasn't going to be healthy, and it wasn't. But we ultimately survived uh, enough to have two more kids, and uh, and then from there we ended up divorced. And so, um, again, making some, uh, you know, quick decisions, uh, that, you know, in hindsight was, uh, probably not the correct decisions. I needed time and space and I didn't give myself time and space. And what I did was, uh, you know, wear that Superman cape because by then being a police officer, right. you got this mindset of Mentality, going, Hey, right. you know, I got to save the world, uh, type of thing, or at least your own little, little portion of it so well and ever after also having gone through trauma like that you know you're you're probably you know one direction of like you said trying to and I think, save as many as you can or not think about it and and just mo- keep moving forward right and, and ultimately too quickly i think that's probably the way i've done with my whole life um is i don't uh i grieve in unique moments um, and it's usually, you know, by myself or, or whatnot. And then after that, it's kind of like, uh, got to keep moving on because they're gone and, you know, there's still p- people I've still got people relying on me, uh, you know, to be there for them, um, you know, and get them raised and, and different things. So you just, you keep moving on. But as I age and now recognizing that there's nobody going to be, sitting on my porch with me, you know, talking about, you know, uh, the, the present or the future or even, you know, the, the goofy things of the past. Um, you know, it, it began, it begins to be a little bit more, um, a little bit more challenging. So, uh, you re- you start recognizing as the losses mount up, uh, you start recognizing those things a little bit more. Um, but ultimately these things have caused a lot of, family turmoil as a whole um there's really none of us uh that are super close uh it's so fractured uh and so 
demoralized uh, that you almost get uh, more meaningful uh, relationships out of even maybe even a coworker uh, because you see them more, uh, you put more into it. Uh, there's less frustration, even though there's plenty of frustration within uh, law enforcement and coworkers and all this stuff. That, that well, family with. family's tough to begin with. Yes, but then you throw loss and loss and you know all, all of these traumatic events. It, it yeah, fracture is a perfect word uh, because it it's just. It's hard, you know, everybody has to deal with it in their own way. And you, you compound these different situations on top of each other that. And know. what's really odd is that we don't reach out to each other. Uh, we just keep the distance going and going. And then it becomes, uh, well, it's been a year since I've talked to a cousin that I grew up with. And so the only time I see him uh, is during, you know, these losses um you know funerals and, and things. It, exactly um you know the one cousin in particular uh we were like brothers as kids growing up we're the same age uh things of that nature uh but as time has gone on um our distance and there for a while we probably live less than a half a mile from each other and you know we don't see each other don't speak and it, you know in the modern era of having cell phones uh, you know, social media. Have you thought about swallowing up your pride and reaching out? Oh, we, we've gone over to his house, me and my uncles. Uh, it's, this is more kind of like on him and the things that he's gone through in his life. Um, ultimately he was a, an only child. Um, and he's had, uh, some relationship issues like with his father that passed away. Um, probably about a decade ago and some unanswered things that I think have still bothered him, um, all these years. Yeah. Uh, he's always been, uh, somebody that's been more of a recluse as he got older, but as, uh, as a younger person, um, you know, we saw each other often and communicated often and things like that. But, um, and I know that I've gotten busy too, uh, you know, right. having kids at a later age in life and, uh, my career, uh, my career has always been um, such an important factor that, uh, and it's probably hasn't helped my own uh, relationships none because it's always came. Uh, I hate to say it's always came first, but it's always came first, if that makes sense. Which is right. pathetic to say on my part. And as yeah. I've aged, it's gotten better uh, because I'm more aware. Uh, but early on, it, it was. You know, I was working 24, never turned it off. If I was off duty, I made arrests off duty. Uh, If I saw things uh, that needed attention, I never, uh, I guess, could say put those blinders on. Um, And so that didn't didn't help much. But you're also unpacking all this trauma for yourself, too. Correct. And one, throwing themselves into their career is very common. And, Correct. and to go a mile a minute and 100% to not try and wake up old memories or wh- whatever it is. I mean, that's a, that's a, a common thing. Though I value those individuals, um, that most of their life, they already have a grasp on things of what's really 
important and what really matters. And they usually have successful careers and they have successful families and family life. And so I, I always envision what it would be like to have that. Um, and I, cause I can appreciate those people, uh, that, you know, uh, are blessed in their situation that they just always have it, um, going on or what appears to be, <laughs> That's and I'll say appears, word. but yeah. overall the, uh, there's, there's some families out there and their, their dynamics and their friendships, even having friendships that last through the generations and the decades, um, I've never had that. It's always been there's a somehow something new, uh, and I'll just throw a you know amount of time out there for the sake of amount of time. But um, they last about five years. You're really close. You think everything's perfect, and then something happens that causes that relationship to either um, gain some distance, and then once that distance starts. It just becomes longer and longer and longer. So uh, when I look at my life and, you know, I think and then you have to reflect on yourself. Is it me? Um, you know, what am I doing uh, in that realm? And am I picking, you know, the wrong individuals that don't seem to um, to either work or can't um, can't sustain, you know, the, the trauma within my life. Now I've got a few close friends that I, you know, have been with for longer than five years and, and stuff like that. It's not, I wish there was more time together. Um, but there just isn't. And I'm right. not sure the answers to that one, but, um, you know, I've had a couple that have already been through, um, two of the suicides, you know, of my brothers with me, um, you know, type of thing. So they understand, right. um, un, you know, understand that part right. of it as well. So in your careers, uh, in, in law enforcement, all these seeing destructive behavior and going through it, um, with family members, how is that? Do you feel like that's made you compassionate to folks that are going through it on the street and, or is, you know, what versus the thought of, you know, that they have to answer for their actions and, and things like that. I mean, when I go to, uh, suicides, I think I am, uh, compassionate with those family members. Um, I try and relate to them as best I can, um, to maybe if I have something, uh, to offer in any category, um, and I, and just having a, an understanding um, of what they're going through, uh, you know, I keep an open line of communication uh, with them. I'm probably horrible about that in my career anyway. As far as um, I uh, probably talk too much to anybody as far as that goes. It's uh, going through some uh, negative uh, things. But I feel like I want them to know that somebody else cares, um, you know, because even people that within the their career field uh, that have chosen to take their life, uh, one of my coworkers after she had retired uh, had taken her life as well, uh, not like not too long after she retired. And I would have never, ever, 
that woman always seemed so happy. Um, at least every time I ever, you know, saw her and I worked directly with her for, for 12 years and, you know, she was always silly, funny, you know, and sometimes I guess people mask pain sure. uh, behind laughter. So, uh, but you just don't see that, you know, that, that side of, of anybody. And, um, and so, yeah, I would have never, uh, saw that, but she knew what I had already uh, been through now she had taken her life prior to uh, my last sibling uh well, i guess going on four years ago now uh took his life uh so she saw the other stuff that i had uh going on and you know sometimes you 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 know and i know i've spoken about the pain that you know they leave behind when people do this stuff um i know she she's had to have hear, heard that a million times even through the suicides that she had been through uh but it's amazing in that moment uh when people decide uh, that it's time it's amazing in that moment uh how nothing else uh, they nothing else matters um and so and it's yeah i mean we'll never know what what really goes through their mind but it's uh, there is something so profound empty in their life that when it's, it seems like the only option. So that's where, you know, um, being upset or saying, you know, they took the easy way out. I mean, it's just, you just, it's not that simple. You just don't know. You it's just not that simple. I, just I do know. think people in an emotional state of mind, uh, make decisions very quickly. Um, and you know, they, they didn't have the time to process it because at that moment, uh, that pain that or, or that thought process that they were going through uh, was too tremendous for them to consider, um, you know, the realities and the gift of life. Right. And so. And it is a moment. I mean, that's they're caught in a moment, a bad moment. Because we just had one even with a, um, a firefighter uh, that uh, took her own life um, and she had just lost her boyfriend about three weeks prior, uh, but combined they left behind, I think four or five kids, if I remember correctly. Um, so this family that lived together, both parents are, you know, gone, uh, within 30 days. Um, and you, you have to recognize it, uh, when you've got kids, uh, but to recognize somebody that's thinking life is so painful in that moment, um, and that their kids are going to be somehow better off without them. Uh, that they are able to decide to, to, you know, take their own life. It's incredible, um, and I I hope somehow we start to slowly uh, figure this stuff out. I I do not believe that everything is going to be fixed by a pill. Um, I think sometimes time, if we give ourselves time um, through you know professional help uh, and things like that, ultimately can maybe alter somebody's thought process but how do you get that done when somebody's in a, such an emotional state uh and they're inside their house it's not like they can you know call up anybody that's a professional and saying hey i'm getting ready to do this you got to be able to right you know, got to be able to save yeah. me from it yeah now within law enforcement uh in your department or just being in the know i mean is is the the hard bark of being a cop and and not talking about your feelings. I mean, is that getting better as well uh, from what, from your, your experience? Because I mean, 
the, think- those folks in your profession need to stay healthy and you know have your I, I, stuff I don't think near enough um i'm probably the most uh open and vocal person about my life per se um i don't know that i'm so open about my feelings though cuz sometimes i wonder um i wonder where they're at um or am i void of feelings when i say like you know to be able to uh to properly grieve um i don't know that i've ever done that it's uh you bury them and just move on and keep going um and i'm probably uh, fortunate enough to be able to hide behind my career and thinking that well they're gone but you know somehow i'm gonna i don't know impact somebody's life out here um, in such a positive way, even though law enforcement is a negative impact. We're there for negative. We're never there for positive for the most part um, in things, unless it's just talking to human beings in a general thing. But people don't call us because they're having something positive in their life. It's all negative based. So our lives are always built around negativity. And so for me, having personal and professional being, you know, around negativity, I wonder what's going to happen when I, it's time to, to hang it up and retire. Um, I often wonder where my feelings are going to go then. Uh, you'll have a little bit more time on your hands to reflect uh, on, you know, well, hey, it'd be a nice morning to, you know, sit out here on the, the porch with a, a sibling, you know, and right. you know, share a meal or something. Those things I'll never get to, to you know, do, and you know, and I've got a niece. Uh, you know, she's made it. Uh, she's had a, a a good life, and she's having a, a good life. My my sister's daughter, um, and so those moments, uh, I think. I hope at some point in time we can recapture what we had when she was younger to some level as far as because uh, we were really, really – I was really close to my, my niece. Um, worshiped the ground she walked on and probably because it was my sister's you know daughter. Um, and so I hope one day, you know, we can eventually start building those blocks back a little bit to have more normal – uh, relationships. Uh, my one nephew, uh, who just passed away, uh, from an overdose, uh, that's my brother's only child. Um, we have no more, uh, I guess no more, uh, uh, offspring going in that direction. So, um, but I, I kind of saw that coming. We had, me and him had a conversation probably about, uh, seven, eight years ago, where I told him if he didn't, um, if he didn't get the proper help, uh, chances are he would not, um, you know, have a long life. And ultimately he didn't. Um, and so he, he passed away, I guess it's been about five, five weeks ago now, four weeks ago. Really? Wow. Yeah. So he's, uh, died of an overdose. And then, uh, my brother Richard, who had uh, shot himself uh, going on about four years ago, uh, he's got uh, you know three children, uh, two nieces and a nephew. Uh, my two nieces are grown grown adults, um, and you know doing very well. 
my nephew, I don't know, you know, I think ultimately he's going to be okay. Um, but he was, you know, such a young life. Um, and then growing up without, you know, his father, uh, might leave some, you know, question marks or whatnot. You you just don't know what direction people are going to think about, well, why did my, my mom or my dad do this, uh, type of thing. So, right. uh, but you know, I think ultimately those three will, um, uh, be, they'll be okay. Uh, I think they'll do well. My, my oldest niece, uh, is very successful so far, uh, career wise, uh, seems like relationship wise. She's, she's got a really good head on her shoulders. Um, and then my, my other niece is she's, you know, uh, growing more mature. She's got kids now. Uh, she seems to be more, I guess, uh, grounded by everything. Um, and so I think she's going to be, uh, very successful as well. Uh, my nephew, he's, I'm sure he'll be fine, but you just don't know what direction or what questions he's going to have right. as he starts to grow into a young teenager and, and a young adult even. Yeah. And so, but I'm hoping even those, uh, relationships gain a little bit of strength, um, you know, with them and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've, yeah, what an opportunity to, like you said, to salvage some memories and, uh, talk about you know things and and build. Uh, They've been some beat up a lot on my side of the family. Uh, you know, again, mostly by my mother, uh, who wants to lay blame towards uh, my sister-in-law and you know and the kids. And even though they were going through a rough time period, uh, you know they were living apart by the time my brother you know had had taken his life. Um, and so you know the the family them trying to they're probably a little more leery of my family so to speak or on my side of the family uh they're a little bit more leery uh, about uh i guess how things are being either perceived or said or or handled even uh when it comes time for that so they get more distance uh you know from us um which really it it's it's very demoralizing uh, to, to be seeing that you would think uh, families would come together, uh, when, you know, these devastating things happen. Instead, we just all keep growing more and more, uh, distant and I'm not sure how to, to fix it, uh, per se. Um, yeah. but you just, you watch it unfold and, uh, it's just, it's truly devastating yeah. to, to have that happen as well. Cause it feels like more, death if you will when you don't have uh you don't see them anymore you don't speak to them anymore uh they're just gone too it's just like compounding of more you know of another uh death yeah. and you know loss and grief and family is uh, uh, they're all separate challenges but when you when you throw it all together it's very difficult so but i want to thank you for for your uh, courage to come on and and, and talk about these things because it's going to, it's going to help a lot of people. And it sounds like you've got some, some good opportunities to continue carrying the message and, and opening yourself up to hopefully help some other people. Yeah. I've tried to figure out how, cause we haven't even delved into like some major, I mean, we've had some major conversation, but, um, there's so much, 
inside between my two ears, uh, just on the, the family issues. I feel like that there's got to be something more uh, for me to be able to uh, do for somebody or, you know, someone. Um, just Again, just not sure how to uh, to go about doing it as far as that goes. So hopefully this might even be a, a step towards that. You never sure. know. And so. Yeah. No, I mean, staying open, carrying the message, talking about your stuff in front of you know, coworkers and, you know, urging people to get help. I mean, that, that's, that's all we can do is, is, uh, have the courage to try and you know, reach somebody else by being open with our own struggles. And you've certainly, yeah, you know, I think everybody's got to, they got to have a belief that their life actually does matter. And life is a gift. It really is. You know, you take out some of the, the trash that we have, so to speak, that we deal with, um, life is actually wonderful. <laughs> it, it is, but we're sur- we're surrounded by a twenty four hour news cycle that is nothing you know predominantly negative, right? You know, and we t- look at our kids and growing up and social media and all the stuff, and it's just you know there's so much minutia and frankly bullshit out there that that can lead somebody to lead a negative life or have a negative outlook, but you know guild to have you know uh, an outlook like that and life is a gift i mean that's a beautiful thing and especially being through as much as you've been through uh, we just got to keep plugging away keep plugging away and spreading the word man so thank you for being here i appreciate you having me on thanks for listening i want to thank everyone that makes this show possible production by gwen sound artwork by neltner small batch and photography by john willis and lindsey steinhauser Please subscribe, rate, and write a review. Visit our website for more information at stigmatizedpodcast.com.